This is a, a new sermon series that we're kicking off today, and it's going to go through even through our baptisms that we'll be having, uh, not next weekend, but the following two weekends after that on the Creek Bank up there on Kenny Kinnick. Uh It's at my grandmother and grandfather's place that uh, where my dad was born and raised, and uh, we're going to have a good time. It's going to be good potluck dinners that we can bring food and eat together, worship together and celebrate uh, new life together and people taking the plunge and getting in the water. And there's so many uh, that's already said that you're going to do so, and I'm excited uh, to get in the water and baptize some people and uh, uh, hopefully and prayerfully have a great time on the river bank or the creek bank and just need to pray for good weather is our goal from here is for good weather to be there, for that to be possible. Um. The new sermon series today is called If Slash When. This will be the first week of this sermon series. Imagine living in a world full of people who was infatuated with the will of God. Jesus came to change the world, and more specifically, your world. He came to initiate the will of God on planet Earth. You are here for a purpose, and that purpose is to live in the center of his will. Everybody say, Amen. We all need to strive to be in the center of God's will. I've heard preachers preach on how that there is a perfect will of God and that there is a permissive will of God and that there is a not so much the will of God. And we can live in those three areas upon our own choosing. So we can decide would I like to live in his perfect will where that his will is established and I do what he asked me to do and his will is accomplished. We can live in the permissive will of God where we go on and he allows us the freedom to do some things and choices we make. And we're still okay with God. But if we're not in his will, this means we are separated from God. And that's not a very good place to live. I have lived there, and I know that every person in this room has lived there, or maybe you're currently living there. That's not his will. It's not his will that you live against his will. The Bible says that it's not his will that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. He wants every person in this room saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, and living in his will. I'm here to tell you today that it's his will that every person in your family would come to the knowledge of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That is his will. He does not want them to enter into hell, into eternity without him. He desires them to be his children more so than you do. And I know that's hard for us to imagine because some of us in this room has got some loved ones that we know is not saved but we would love to see them get saved. Amen? God wants it more than you do. Do you believe that? 
That is his will. That's what his word says. So when I'm saying imagine living in a world full of people who was infatuated with the will of God, I'm imagining a world where that salvation runs rampant, that salvation comes in droves, kindly back in old revivals that we hear about in times past, that God sets on fire the hearts of men that chase after him, that chase and run and go and do the will of God. And when we know that this happens, you can go back to the Cane Ridge Revival and things that happened right here in Kentucky just a few miles from us. And just a fire of God broke out upon that place down there. And you can still go and visit that place. They still got the buildings there that you can go see. And if you've never been, you should go. It's down close to Paris, Kentucky, and you can get down there and see what revival looks like. And this revival happened back in the middle of the 1800s and you know, a couple guys would get up on preach and they would cut off trees. There was hundreds of thousands of people during pioneer days came through the woods on horseback and carriage and whatever means necessary to get there. And they stood in the presence of a God-filled revival and they listened to people that would cut down trees and stand on stumps so that people could see and hear what they had to say. How many would like to see that? Amen. I love coming out in the parking lot out here and having outside services and seeing people come out of the apartments over there and sit down and listen to the Word of God being preached. I enjoy that. And just a few weeks ago, Dusty and I got the opportunity, and we didn't even know it, but we went down and prayed with a gentleman, and we had no idea, but a few years ago, or last year sometime during the pandemic, he was living in apartments over here, and we was preaching down there under the shade tree, and he was sitting over there listening. And a year later, when he was laying in a bad place, he asked his son and his daughter-in-law, get me a preacher. Get me a preacher. I need to pray. And they knew us, and we knew them, and they called us and said, won't you come? So after last first Wednesday, Dusty and I got in the car. Albie went on home by herself, and Dusty and I traveled down and went to the bedside of this guy. And got to pray with him and witness him come to the knowledge of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And as he laid there and he prayed those prayers, he broke down and he began to tell me about my wife was saved her entire life. And I witnessed her live for God years. And I would not follow through. And she passed on. But here I am today. And I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Amen. Amen. He's going to go see her forever in eternity. That's what happens with the will of God. How many desires the will of God today? Are you infatuated with the will of God? I desire my life to be centered around the will of God. Take over my life. Be Lord of my life, Jesus, because it will change the world I'm living in. So if slash when, how did I come up with this? I really don't even know. As I was preparing last year and, and, and making out the uh, year-long calendar of uh, teaching series or sermon series, just like these words hit me and I, I put them down, and I, wanted, I want us to take this perspective from, and, and I know we've already done a sermon series earlier on the Sermon on the Mount. You guys listen to that, right? The Sermon on the Mount. We know where Jesus stood up on a mountain, taught some people some things. And the actual, the Lord's Prayer that we call it is part of, that Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapter 6. And I'll, I'll, I'll go through and read that in just a minute. 
So we're going to base this sermon series around the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus actually says, when you pray. When you pray. He didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. Everybody say prayer is not an option. <laughs> prayer is a mandate from heaven. When you pray, amen. So if it's conditional, if. And we, we let if happen a lot in our life. We use that word a lot. If I get around to it, if someday, we'll use if often in our life. And it isn't that the Bible doesn't say if because it does. In the Old Testament, one, in Chronicles, one of the most quoted scriptures, I think, in the Old Testament, it, in the world that we're living in today, and maybe in times past there was different scriptures in the Old Testament, but if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I will heal their land. How many likes if there? Amen? God said, if my people. So he's given you the ability, your free moral agent, your free will, to decide if you'll pray or if you won't. His will is for you to pray. Amen. Jesus didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. Yes. So God's will is you pray. And you don't have to be a professional at praying. No. Oh, there is no man. pro athletes in prayer. I want to I show us some of that today. But when, it's not conditional. When means, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, the time in which something is done or comes about. The time in which something is done or comes about. And I know that I've read books, and I've got a book laying in there on prayer. This book is filled with prayer. Miriam's prayer, Moses' prayer. You go through the whole Old Testament, David's prayer, everybody's prayer. They, the Bible is filled with people praying. It is his will. And we need to see that today is the day. Let this church be known as what Jesus said. My father's house will be called a house of prayer. Bridge, let's pray. Let's pray like God wants us to pray. And first off, let's pray his will be done. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this sermon series. God, we pray that you would just open our hearts, open our minds. God, open our ears. You say in your word, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God, we pray today as we declare the Bridge Church to be a praying church. God, that individuals here, maybe that don't even know how to pray, that a fire would be ignited in this place today that would cause us to come into your glory. God, that we could see your will performed in our midst. God, for loved ones to come to know you during these next few weeks. God, we pray for the day when we go down to that creek bank and we baptize some folks. God, that a fire of revival would break out amongst us. And God, that people would come to know you in that instant and they would get in the water and be baptized according to your will. God, I pray for the people in this room today. God, that they would open up their mouths and begin to pray prayers, bold prayers. God, prayers of faith that 
filled with believing that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. God, I pray today, ignite within us, oh God, a birth of prayer movement amongst us, God, so that we could pray not only in groups, but we would pray just overwhelming prayers, God, that we would see your will accomplished in our life. God, ignite within us a passion for prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says amen. amen. So Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, I want us to turn there. We're going to read several verses here, but I'll read them as fast as I can and get through them. But I want you to just go home and, 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 and mark your Bible right now. Go ahead and move your marker. Take your marker out of your Bible. Stick it in there. And let's, let's just hone in to this Matthew chapter 6, part of the Sermon on the Mount, and where Jesus is speaking and if Jesus has got something to say, we should have something to hear. Amen? Amen? So Jesus is speaking here, teaching the people so many years ago, and he's teaching us today. Matthew chapter 6, this is a New Living Translation. Watch out. If you're driving down the road, and you're not paying attention, and you're like me, and you gawk off and look at everything around you. Anybody guilty of that when you're driving? I'll just look all the way around. I'm worried about, you know, drive by somebody and look over at them. Leslie Hart, watch out! What are you doing? You're not paying attention. <laughs> Amen. Watch out! Jesus just said that to us. Watch out! You're not paying close enough attention. Then he says this, do, don't do your good deeds publicly. Whoa. These are some major words, and I just told you I'm going to read real fast, but <laughs> it, is, it is hard to read the Bible fast when you pay attention. And in the day and age we're living, where that Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and, and everything else that we can come across and all these different social media platforms, we do a lot of things publicly today. Jesus said, don't do your good deeds publicly. That's hard. Because we as a church, even sometimes when we go out and do good deeds as a church, we'll post it on our account for the church. Well, don't, he said, to be admired by others. So if your intent is to post that to be admired by others, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. Amen? But we can post a post about doing something good to inspire others to do more good then that'll be okay in Jesus' world. Amen? So it's about your intent. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Then verse 2, when, everybody say when. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do. Blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they will have received their reward all the reward they'll ever get. Verse 3, but when, everybody say when. When you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Verse 5, when, everybody say when. Got a whole lot of whens going on here, amen. When you pray, everybody say when you pray. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. And I'll tell you the truth, that their reward will, that will be the reward they will ever get. Verse 6, but when, everybody say when. when. 
you pray. Go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray that your father in, to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Verse 7, when you pray. Everybody say when. This is getting old, isn't it? When you pray. Don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating the words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Ain't that a good daddy? Amen. He already knows what you need. David, you know what them little babies need. Ron, she don't have to decide. You don't have to wait for her to decide. You know what she needs. She needs some cereal. Amen. You go to the store and get some milk. You know it. You know what she needs. You don't have, Daddy, please give me some milk. You know, every week it's, it's going to be there. Amen. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you have need before you ask him. Pray like this, Jesus said. Our Father, who art in heaven, may your name be kept holy. I know you guys are thinking King James only here. <laughs> Am I messing up? Our, our, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, come on now. Our Father in heaven. Say it with me. Our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. What an awesome teaching of how to pray. I love it, and we've we got to get through some more here, and then we're going to take off on some sermonettes. Verse 14, if... Everybody say if. Uh-oh, now we got from the when to the if, didn't we? There's some ifs in here too. But we've talked about a whole lot of whens. Now we're to if. Verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. That's a choice you have to make. And that's not easy. Amen? When they sin against you, they, they can sin against God. And I can forgive them. But when they sin against me, I take it personal. There you go. Amen? Amen? It becomes personal, don't it? I mean, it, it becomes, oh my, how, God, you can forgive them. But now you, you mean I have to forgive them? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Jesus is telling a group of people that knew how to pray. Jewish people know how to pray. If you don't believe me, watch them at the wailing wall. Watch them when they pray. They'll lean, they'll go to moving, and they get their hat, and you know, they got their phylacteries on, they got their Bible open, they stand there at that wall, they put little pieces of, of, of prayers that they write on, on little parcels of paper, and they stick it back in those rocks at the wailing wall. They know how to pray. But they wasn't very for, good at forgiving. So Jesus was telling them, yeah, you can pray all you want, and you can even pray the prayer that he just taught you how to pray. But he had to go on and tell them, if, everybody say if, yeah. if you forgive, 
those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive them, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a pretty weighty if. If we would read that and believe that, my salvation depends on me forgiving somebody? Are you serious, God? That's a lot of weight on my shoulders. I thought Jesus came to set us free. He did. He came to set you free so that you have a passion to forgive because you know what it's like to be forgiven by Him. Amen? If you've been forgiven by, of much, your heart should be full of grace and mercy that applies to everybody around you. When we become saved, we should be forgiving people. Amen? Christians should be the most kind, passionate, giving, caring people on the planet. I told us when we began this sermon series, imagine yourself in the world filled with people infatuated with the will of God. That is the will of God for people to be forgiven because guess what? It's a change against the world systems. Because the world system tells you if somebody does something to you, you got to retaliate. you got to get back. you got to go after them. you got to post meaner about them than they did you. you got to make sure for the next three weeks that you fill your feed on Facebook or any of your accounts that they need to be filled with all these harsh words against people. I can't believe that. I can't, you know, we, guilty? Sometimes we'll do it in a little bit of gesture so that we won't even call the person out because we think that makes us more Christian. Well, I'm not going to say their name, but I just want you to know. Amen. Is there any guilty folks in here? Come on now. We can be honest in the house of God. Yeah. We got to forgive, man. Amen. Jesus is asking us, if we forgive, he'll forgive us. If we don't, he won't. That is a major if. I I say this all the time because it was such an impact to me that if you're around somebody a long time, they got these little idioms or little words or sayings they'll say, and as they say them, it just gets ingrained in you, and you can't get rid of them. Anybody got memories like that? Just that somebody just around maybe, and this was a teacher, and he would say this all the time. He'd be teaching, whatever, and we'd all come up with it. Well, what if? Amen? What, what if? And he'd always look, and he'd say the same thing every time, Ernie. If if and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. And I've heard that five million times from him. And it's ingra- if if and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Because there's plenty of ifs and buts. Amen? Amen? Jesus is telling us, if you want a real if, get this if. Forgive. He didn't say forgive them if they've repented. How I many knows that's hard? When they won't even say they're sorry? You mean I gotta forgive them anyway, God? This is pretty weighty stuff. If we have to. Verse 16. Then we're going back to the when. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they will try to look miserable. So people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they'll ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair. Everybody say when. When you fast, comb your hair. Got it. Good. It's getting long enough right now. 
where the, it's sticking out a little bit. So I, I get it cut once a month just so that I make sure I don't have to comb my hair. It's I love it. I went years without having to comb my hair. It's pretty awesome. I feel sorry for uh, you ladies that have to spend an hour every morning getting ready and combing and spraying and curling. and I don't have that problem. Verse 18, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And the father who sees you sees everything will reward you. Prayer is one of the most crucial parts of our relationship with God. Relationships are strengthened and bolstered by communication. A husband and wife has to communicate. There has to be words spoken. There has to be gifts given. There has to be hugs hugged. Amen? Communication is not just words. A lot of it is actions. Earl, you got to get her something really nice. Yeah. Right, Amy? He needs to get Amy something really nice. Amen. Kind of like one Uncle Eddie did. Just hand it to you. Give me something really nice. I love that. That's my favorite one. Clark, get yourself something really nice. Prayer is the communication method that God has provided, and he asked for us to utilize it. Jesus, God's son, sent to this earth to live the perfect life taught on prayer during the Sermon on the Mount with intentionality. And that intentionality is that it will change your life. When God's people pray, Heaven comes running. Do you hear me? When God's people pray, heaven comes running. Because when we find ourselves in the midst of storms, just like Peter and the disciples in the boat, and it's in the middle of that boat, in the middle of that storm, who was close by? Jesus was already walking towards them, Ernie, before they was ever in trouble. And I can tell you right now, before your storm ever came, he already come walking towards you. And today he's asking you to begin to pray. Because when you cry out like those disciples cried out that night, we're going to perish and we're going to go down in the abyss here and this storm is going to overpass me, it's going to overtake me, I ain't going to be able to make it through this. These were fishermen that knew how to sail a boat. But they knew they were beyond their capabilities. And whatever you're facing today that you sense and know that you're beyond your capabilities, there's a place to look. And that place is up. Amen? It's a place to pray is up and say, God, my Father, which art in heaven. I know where you're at, Daddy. I know where you're at, God. I'll just call on you right now. Hallowed be your name. You're holy enough to take care of my storm. If we only believe that. If we only believe that. Please let us believe that. That's good stuff. So in saying that, I want us to understand here today, and i, I got to get, I, I'm already 11, 12, and good thing i got a couple of weeks to do this. Last week I was approached by someone in this room, and they wanted to come and speak and, and, and say a few words. And me being me and knowing what the sermon series is leaning towards, 
And I'm going to ask you to come up right now. Brother Jameson, come up here. He's, he's new to the bridge, but he is the bridge. And he had something he wanted to say, and I, I want him to say it if he can get through it. He, he might start crying, I know, but it, it'll be okay. Just listen and hold, hold the mic close. All right. I'm real nervous. Sorry about that. <laughs> Me and my wife started coming here a little over a month ago, and uh, she kind of pushed it. And I've been to a lot of churches in my life, a lot. I've been drugged through a lot. And I, I played my part, and I listened, and... My wife enjoyed it. She likes the music. And uh, we had our kids, and we started taking them to church. And uh, I don't know what happened, but this place found us. Amen. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I mean, I've always thought that the Bible was the proper way to live. But I never believed. I never felt it. This place here, for some reason, sorry about that, but uh, it, it's really touched our family in a big way. Uh, for some reason, every service that we've been to has that for that week or the week prior has just hit us in the face. I mean, this week it was uh, forgiveness, and this service is forgiveness, and um, it was hard. My wife is, uh, she struggles real bad with forgiveness. Uh, when she gets wrong, it, it stays for a long time with her. And uh, I come home from work, and we talked about it and said, look, if we're going to do this, we're going to keep going Sundays, and actually what we're feeling, if we're going to keep moving with that, we've got to forgive. We've got to let go. And, uh, and we prayed about it, and uh, she did it. And I've never been more proud of her than that moment. And uh, our life is changing, and we can feel it. And it's because of this place here. And I just wanted to say thank you. And our family really thanks you all. Uh, I just don't know what else to say. But thank you. Uh, all right, so he wants. I told Ben uh, when I wanted to speak. Uh, all right, so when I was pretty young, pretty young, uh, my grandparents they live out on Montgomery, and I don't know if y'all know where that's at, but uh, out the road, Howie lives out that way, and my dad would drag me out there, and Howie always had the cool toys to go look at and, and stuff like that, and didn't think a world of anything. I'd drive my dirt bike out there. We would go out and uh, hang out for a little while. And uh, I didn't know Howie, really. I didn't know his family. I didn't know Ben or nothing. And uh, and I, didn't, I still don't know Howie that well. But, uh, <laughs> but I just never pictured him uh, in, in a house like this. I didn't know his family or his background. When I walked in that door the first time and I seen him, I just I knew I was like, if God can get him, like I said, and I don't mean offense because I don't know, but I just you don't you don't think you live your life and you look around at people and you don't you don't know them, and uh, you look up to certain people and without knowing them, not who what their beliefs are and everything, but 
uh, it, it made me stay. It made me come back. And something just, something like that. And uh, it, uh, it helped. It really did. Thank you. So how he didn't live his life to be told stories about like this. But sometimes when we live our life, people watch. I want you guys in this room to know that, that people are watching. And we hear often, and, and sometimes Sister Albie, I can't even say sister, but she gets mad when I do that. <laughs> Still Sister Albie either way. Albie last week did an awesome job. and Amen. People messaged this week and said, that hit me right in the face, and it was exactly what I needed to hear. And... I was talking to Dusty this past week, and he was talking about how sometimes, you know, when we speak, pe people in the room from all different walks of life and all different situations in life and different backgrounds, and, and somehow God, through the Holy Spirit, ministers, sometimes in words that's literally not being spoken physically, but spiritually, something is resounding in our heart when we know that the Holy Spirit is meeting me right where I'm at. Dusty was preaching on, what, what was your message on how authentic the Bible is, that it's the Word of God, right? That it's, it's the truth of Scripture. But Chris was here that Sunday, and he come in, he, he was kind of mad, he's like, I come, my last, he told Dusty, he said, it's my last service I was ever going to go to. I decided when I left the house that morning, that's my last time coming. What he told you, give me, right? said, I'm not going anymore. This is my last time. Come walk through the door, and then Dusty was up there, and he's like, God, what are you doing? I, I come here to hear Ben one more time. And Dusty started preaching. That's the weekend when he broke you out in groups and all that. And Chris heard a word hitting inside of his life to trust the word of God. And as it impacted his life, he's been coming back regularly, and he's going to be baptized here in a few weeks. It doesn't get any better than this. This is revival. Revival is not numbers. Revival is radically transformed lives. Amen. Amen. It is radically transformed lives. And we're watching it happen in our very midst. Right here. Did you guys, two years ago, just, man, I can't wait till God hits me right in the face. And I come and sit on the front row of a church. You didn't dream of that. But God met you where you're at. Kobe's with you. You don't have worries. You got a big daddy. <laughs> and he's living upstairs and he's watching over you. When you graduate high school, you worry and fret about what's life going to be. Our Heavenly Father knows. Amen. He knows us so awesome if and when I want to read these last verses here before I end today we got a long ways to go in this sermon series but we'll get there this is Jesus' brother named James writes this 
and it's in the New Testament. It's the book of James, chapter 5. This is, I love this verse because it's, it, it's a verse about prayer. James chapter 5, verse 13, we'll start there. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? Anybody happy? happy. (laughs) Cindy says every week, I'm blessed, amen? I'm blessed and highly favored, amen. Says it all the time, I love it. Are you happy, it says? You should sing praises. James even told me that. that Get in the car, turn on some K-Love, lift up your hands, amen. Go to talking to God, praying, amen. Feel him come in the room of that car and know, wow, the presence of God is here tangibly with me in this moment. You get pretty happy when that happens, amen. If you haven't had that happen, I'd ask you to do so. Turn on K-Love, 104.1, I think it is, right? Is that right, 104.1? Lift up your hands. Well, not, you know, drive with one maybe. and Keep your eyes open as you're praying. You're allowed to pray with your eyes open. You don't have to close your eyes. Um, verse 14, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church and come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. We do this here at this church. We believe it because this verse tells us to. We prayed last week for little Luke. Prayer cloths. Verse 15, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And and if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Verse 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is a verse that I sat in here as a very baby Christian. I sat in this very room. I was the youth pastor here in 2000. Had no idea what God was doing in my life. And I sat in this room. And I was on this side over here. There used to be chairs like split two with the center row. And there was an elderly gentleman up here, and he was playing his guitar and singing a song, and he got pretty happy, Brother Toe, if anybody remembers Brother Toe. Awesome man of God. An awesome man of God. He knew how to pray, and he knew how to seek God, and he knew how. It was just amazing. And I was in awe of him because he was up in years, and I was this young Christian, only been saved a few months. And I knew this verse. I'd run across this verse. And as I was sitting there that day, the Spirit spoke to me and said, look at him. He was a very, very humble man. He didn't want any attention. Just an awesome person. And the word spoken to me that morning was, this verse, there's you a picture. In real life form, standing before you. Here's a picture of what this verse is. It said, the earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. In the King James, it says, the effectual working prayer of the righteous avails much. How many would like for your prayers to have an effect? Amen? That it's not just words that's bouncing off the ceiling and bouncing right back down to my lap, but when I pray, there's a pathway to God. And when I pray to him, he's hearing, and it's making the throne room of heaven, and it's pouring it right back down, and heaven comes running. 
that is possible in our life. When we pray and if we forgive. When we pray, if we forgive. Brother told, and I was sitting there and I thought, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. Prayers shifting earth. Wow. And I know people in his life. And his son had great success, and I know that he's got natural abilities. But it's one thing to have natural abilities, but it's a whole other thing to have the favor of God on your life. God can make you have great impact that you don't even know. You can just be the guy living out around the ridge. Some kid comes over and talks to you every now and then. God uses us all the time. Sometimes we don't even know it. Verse 17 says, Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. I've heard of rain dances. <laughs> heard of people, farmers praying for rain. Elijah prayed it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. Because there was an abundance of wickedness in the earth. And he prayed this prayer, and it says it did not rain. The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. What are you praying for? What are you asking for today? I don't know. He knows. I know some of your situations. I know some of your circumstances. Elijah was human like we are. Yes, he was a prophet, but he was just human. The humane race that we talked about earlier this year, the two we are. Verse 18, then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whosoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. We can know God, and we can turn our backs on God and walk away. I've done it. I gave my life to God early on in my life. Then I went on and lived my own thing and did what I wanted to do. Then later come back to him, and he was right there waiting for me. If you're here today, this is your win. If you've wandered from God, sometimes this is just a slippery slope that it isn't something intentional you do. My mom can tell you stories about this, that she, early on in her life, had got into church, got baptized. Next thing you know, she's just there. Over time, missed one service here. There's two services there. Then years later, she had went years without going to church and didn't even know. She had backslid on God and really didn't even know it. 
And when that reality hit her in the face, she come back to God. And he made her right where she's at. Amy, you've talked about this. I know a bunch of people in this room that you, you've backslid on God. You've walked away from him before. And you came back, and he was right there waiting on you. Maybe you're just lukewarm, as the book of Revelation says. You're not hot, on fire for God, and you're not cold. Completely turned, willfully walking away. You're just lukewarm. And you're sitting there thinking, I remember a time when tears run down my face like it did. Brother Jameson's a minute ago. God wants you to have those tears flowing. He made us emotional creatures so that our emotions could show a reality of how we're living. I want us to leave here today knowing that we can take care of both if and when. So if you'd bow your head and close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around, nobody paying attention to what anybody else is doing. You're sitting here today and you've heard this message and you felt the Holy Spirit of God move upon your heart. And you know that you haven't been praying like you should have been praying. Sometimes you even wonder if the prayers you're praying is even heard. And today's message brought out that unforgiveness keeps our prayers from being answered. And you're saying, man, i got to let it go. And the Holy Spirit's knocking on my heart's door, and I need to forgive in a real tangible way today. Because as I forgive, my Heavenly Father's going to forgive me. And my prayers are going to ascend in the will of God is going to come because heaven is going to come running. If that's you in this place today and you need to forgive, you need to let go, I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me right now. I know I've got some things. I've got to forgive some people. Even though they haven't told me they're sorry, none of that counts. I just have to forgive. i got to let it go. Past hurts. i got to let them go. If you do that, and by raising your hand, you're saying, I want to. And now when we pray, God is going to hear that forgiveness that you're extending. And it's going to make a difference in your life when you walk out of here today. There's other people here that you've backslid on God and you've, you're grown so cold. Today you're sitting here thinking, man, I've got to get back to him. Some of you, it may have been years since you've walked with him, since you've talked with him. And today's the day that he's knocking on your heart's door and he's telling you, come back home. Come back to my will and watch and see what I'll do. If that's you, that you want to come back to God today and rededicate your life to him, Raise your hand. Anybody here? 
rededication to God. Amen. Amen. Several hands up. Anybody else? I want to rededicate my life to him and live for him. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Is there others? Rededication. Be Lord of my life. Amen. Thank you for that hand. There's others. Amen. Everybody here, let's pray the prayer together. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive me for my sins. Help me to forgive those who have done wrong to me. Help me to make heaven my home and that I will live in eternity with you forever. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sister Gartha and Brother Danny, Chuck sat back here with them. She makes you look good, Chuck. I'll say that, Sister Gartha. She makes, she makes even Chuck look good. She's so proud of her boy. Uh, Gartha, you want to come up here and say just a few words? I, I, want, you, I want you to because if and when you didn't pray, we wouldn't be here today. Danny, come up here with her. She needs, she needs your, she needs your backup. Come on, <laughs> she, she's on her own. She remember when you didn't come alone, Mom? Remember when Betty had to come with you? Yeah, these are the three amigos that started Bethesda in 1997, and not very often we get to see them together. Um, I just want to give them opportunity to speak, Gartha lives in Florida and in Michigan and everywhere in between and uh, kind of uh, does what she wants to do. And, and I want to give her opportunity to speak to this beautiful place. Um, you're not alone. You're never alone. I don't want to talk about the past. Only one thing I want to say is one night I was attending the Methodist Church downtown and what they had camp meeting at Ruggles Campground. I don't know if any of you have ever been there to a camp meeting. But uh, at the end, it's a powerful message, just like this morning. Wow. <laughs> powerful word. At the end, they gave an uh, altar call. Lots of people there. Lots of people. They give us altar call. And they're singing this song, I Surrender All. Has anybody ever heard I Surrender All? And they're singing it and singing it, and nobody goes to the altar. You go. You go. I said, but nobody's going. You got to go. You got to go to the altar and surrender your life to me. That's hard when there's nobody else moving out of their seat after that powerful word. And I went up and I said, and I mean, I was shaken. I was, I was a Christian. I was probably the youth leader down there at that time. I was a shaking all over because I said, God, don't call me out like this, you know. And, but he, sometimes he does. And I said, it's all yours. And not then, but years later, 
I met these two ladies, and uh, you, like Pastor Wells said, I watched his message. He said, you're the church. People are the church, not the building. But it's a good church. It's a good church. And wow, seeing those children across the way this morning and these babies and listening to such powerful words and seeing young people, older people. You want to say anything? That's all I have to say. Why you mean Betty loves, <laughs> Betty loves to talk. Betty just loves to talk. You love to talk? Betty yeah. Loves. She does. Yeah. She likes to <laughs> I swear, no, I love this lady. She's an awesome lady and an awesome woman of God. Um, we met in 96, right? And, um, <laughs> and Gartha um, said that God had put it on her heart to, to build a church in this area. So we, me and her and Bonnie got together and we would drive around and pray and we went all the way to Ohio and looked at a Baptist church up there. I think it was a Baptist church that... God uh, takes the foolish things to confound the wise. Right. And three women in Vanceburg, Kentucky... They don't believe in women preachers. They're the most, here we are. And anyway, um, I came from Lorraine down here, and we got together, and we found this building. And Gartha would spend hours over here in this corner, laying when there was nothing but a concrete floor, crying out for God, to God for a church. And God sent people from Florida, from Texas, from Ohio, and brought us together to build this church. And it's because of Gartha today and her prayers and God that and us that we built this church. It's what it is today. And we thank God for giving Gartha the wisdom and the desire to lead us to build this church to make it. She is the one that laid the foundation for it to be what it is today. And Pastor Ben is carrying out the mantle that God had gave her. It was passed on to Pastor Ben. And we thank God for that. And we thank him for all the young people that are in this church. There's only a few of us that are old. But we're the, we're the cornerstone, so we have to stay until God calls Enough. us home. They've already had church. <laughs> I would like to say one thing. Oh, see, it's time. <laughs> Betty was talking about her being on her face, and what she always called it was eating carpet. Yep, eat a lot of carpet. We and did have carpet. She on said, the "Come table. on, let's eat some carpet." <laughs> so we was always on our face in the carpet, and she taught us how. Let's give it back to the pastor. <laughs> Love you. The Bible says, "Give honor whom honor is due," and their humility always says you know, what God did through them, but he did it through them. Amen? He uses us, and he's using you today. You guys in this room, you got influence. You, you young people, you got influence. You got a lot of friends that need to know who Jesus is and keep doing what you're doing. Just love God, love people. It's really that simple. It really is. Faith, hope, love, it's that simple. If we'll just do that, we'll see God continue to move in our midst. I'm excited for the future. And I'm excited for water baptism here in a few weeks. I can't wait. 
to see how many people is going to get baptized this year. It's going to be more than we know, I think. It's going to be awesome, and I'm expecting. And if you're even contemplating, I'm telling you, come get in the water, take the plunge with us. It's going to be a good time. So love God, love people. Be a blessing to somebody this week. You're dismissed. And uh, tell everybody you love them before you go out the room. <laughs>